This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello, it's On the Ball. We're coming to the end of the season. It's all getting very gripping here. Well, I'll introduce you to our pundits first. He is Des Corkill. I don't know where to look in the world of football these days. Uh, the Everton result, the Malaysia Sea Games semi-final. Looking forward to this weekend as well. It's uh, end of season tiring just to be a fan, never mind being a player. Uh, it's, 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 it's a good end of season, this one. I think it's one of the best for a long time. Uh, uh, Goglin, you agree with me? Yeah, glad to be glad that Villa are part of the relegation battle and the title designer. Yeah, yeah. Villa, uh, Goglin's Villa could play a big part. And we have a man who is, he's a very happy man. He's a Nottingham Forest fan since uh, since he was a wee lad. He is Bob Holmes. Very happy indeed. And I've got another week after this to, to endure, uh, perhaps even enjoy. So our season doesn't finish until the 29th of May, a day after the Champions League final. We're going to start with the relegation fight in the Premier League. We'll be doing Europa League and Championship playoffs and Sea Games. But as I say, let's start with the the relegation fight, which is very exciting. Everton 3, Crystal Palace 2, Des. It, at halftime, Everton were 2-0 down and therefore still in the relegation fight. By the end, an incredible turnaround. And they're now safe. Um, my, my brother um, is a fairly taciturn kind of fellow. He doesn't show his emotions easily. He confessed that he was crying last night. He's in his 60s. That's how much it means to Evertonians to stay in the top flight. The place was bouncing at the end of it. A remarkable com- com- come from behind victory. 2-0 down. Uh, there's still 2-1 down with 15 minutes to go. Then Richarlison gets a, a kind of lucky break. Then a lovely ball in from Demera Gary to um, Calvert-Lewin, who's come back to score a superb diving header. Oh, Goodison on nights like that. It, I promise you it's as good as anywhere in the world. It's um, fantastic. The, the, the television screens are bouncing as, as that third goal is going in for Everton. And the, um, the, the scenes afterwards with uh, one major exception, of course, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some stage. Scenes afterwards were, were scenes of delirium and joy, as if they'd won the league, as they did three times last year. Uh, yeah, but can I ask about, at the end of the match, um, twice, pitch invasion. That, I mean, isn't that a points deduction? Not this season. Next season, I think. Next season. You can go behind closed doors, which is what I understand Forest, Forest are getting, um, but... Um, the, the irony is that um, the, 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 the wrath might come down on Patrick Vieira because he's reacted to an absolute idiot uh, mm. poking, a, a poking something in his face and he's reacted. And so these pitch invasions have become a problem. When Frankfurt did it after reaching the, the um, uh, final of the Champions League, everyone thought, oh, all those nice Germans, isn't that nice, them invading the pitch? When Nottingham Forest do it, it's really nice until somebody headbutts the, the guy. When Everton do it, it's really nice until Patrick Vieira reacts. Mm, somehow we've we've got to discipline fans to stay off the field, but you can understand the delirium. Delirium is the word because it means so much if it's your team from your city or a, a team who you've followed followed for a long time. 
I think I think on the on the topic of pitch invasions, you know, Des, we we cannot tie everybody with the same brush. Yes, it's a this is football, right? This is what uh, passion. This is what people will be talking about for in decades and all that. And because of one or two incidences, yes, you penalize them when those incidents happen. It cannot be a, a blanket uh, thing on pitch invasions. You know, the pitch invasions are there for a reason. They don't do it because they are you know fighting with other fans or anything. They're there because they were celebrating victory. And then you have idiots, one or two idiots to do this. And if and when this happens, then you then you discipline and deduct uh, affect the clubs. Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, to punish a club, I mean, for example, Forrest, okay, I've got a I've got an interest there. But I mean, just imagine if Forrest go up and after 23 years of being out of the Premier League and they impose a ban on spectators for their first couple of home games. Now, how will that go down? Now, to me, that is that is murdering somebody for stealing a loaf of bread. I mean, that is absolutely outrageous, over-the-top stuff. And really, I don't think you can you can stop these spontaneous invasions. I mean, it's amazing how many people get on the pitch so quickly, isn't it? And we've seen the the um, bigger games, the World Cup finals and all that, with rings of steel around, and yet still people get on the pitch, don't they? It's really like trying to stop flies at a barbecue. You're not going to do it. Okay, I think I've got the answer to the question I was going to I wanted to ask Bob, which was that if he'd been there and he'd seen the pitch invasion, would he have been stayed in the stands and sort of tut tutted, or would he have rushed on head butted a Sheffield United player like a real fan? And so I think I know now what he would have done. Oh, <laughs> you're provocative, Mister Aslan. You're provocative. <laughs> How many years would Bob Holmes have been waiting for that opportunity? It would just it would just come. He couldn't he couldn't stop himself. I'm sure, but. Uh, I want to move on though to because uh, we need to we need to Everton are safe, which means that two teams now are fighting it out. It's going to be between Burnley and Leeds in uh, their penultimate match. Aston Villa won, Burnley won. Goglin, your team Aston Villa is um, is playing an outsized role at the end of this season, uh, but were unable to stop Burnley, so therefore. Burnley are now level with Leeds, but with an, such a much better goal difference, 20 goal difference. Uh, but yeah, so did you watch Burnley? Did, did they deserve that point? Uh, well, before I start, when you say your team, and I can't use we, it's a bit of an oxymoron. So. Yeah, no, I'm sorry about that. I, it's a bit of a trap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> but yes, uh, Nick Pope played out of his skin on this one. And I saw that. I saw the highlights of that because I had a big night. <laughs> and <laughs> so yes, Nick Pope was uh, completely. I mean, in current form, I think you know he's even better than Jordan Pickford. But, but yes, I think uh, Burnley deserve that point. They are fighting for their lives. I could see some fighting spirit in them, finally. And Leeds have to be really worried right now because you know I I, I famously said uh, off in our chat that we you know I'm uh, putting my money on Leeds to stay up because of the fighting spirit. But look at the Everton fighting spirit from coming back 2-0 down. That was, you know, incredible. Like you said, scenes that befit a pitch invasion. If you're going to save your skin, you do it that way. And Burnley, I think, uh, took a cue from that and played out of their skin. Nick Pope literally, I think, kept their team in the Premier League, if you ask me. 
Yeah. Well, let's go through what's coming up in the final weekend. Uh, all three of us, let's see what we think. It's going to be Brentford versus Leeds and then Burnley versus Newcastle. Now, uh, for Leeds, the only thing that would work is if they win and Burnley lose or draw. Both, 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 both teams, I mean, you have to win regardless. Anybody drops a point, it's all over. Yeah. Yeah. If the other team wins, yeah. Yeah. So uh, with with that in mind, uh, Bob, who do you think is going to remain in the Premier League next season? Will it be Leeds or Burnley? I've got a feeling it's going to be Leeds, actually. Um, yeah, uh, they're, they're not looking very good, um, but they do have that fighting spirit. And I think they can pull it off against a Brentford side, that has exceeded all expectations, and they've they've done wonderfully well, um, sitting eleventh. But they don't have anything to play for. This is the crucial difference. Whereas Leeds, we have seen for the last six or seven games, they are playing as if their lives depend on the result, and I think that that will be the crucial difference. I think Leeds will win. Burnley, on the other hand, finds scoring very difficult. And they're up against Newcastle, who, although they don't have a lot to play for, they are, they are playing very well. And they have a great spirit in the team. They have momentum. I mean, it's not going to carry them very far with one game left. But the, the side has got spirit and it's got cohesion, and it's playing very well. And I think well enough to um, to spoil um, Burnley's uh, hopes. So I would go, I'm switching here. I know a couple of weeks ago, I thought it would be Leeds to go down. But I think the way this is working out, I would say Leeds are going to survive. Des, what do you think? Well, I'm glad you haven't kept a record of what we've said in these <laughs> predictions, because it's changed week after week after week, because... The Everton comeback, the Everton thrilling way they did it. At one stage, Leeds looked safe. At another stage, Burnley looked safe when they won two or three on the bounce and the, the new co- coach came in. Then Everton looked doomed. Now Everton are safe. But I, I, I agree with Bob's um, reasoning. I also think that um, Leeds fans are going to storm Brentford. There's probably going to be eight to 10,000 Leeds fans who get into that Brentford stadium. So that's going to be like a home stadium, very intimidating. And that can inspire Leeds, I feel, to a, to a victory. And I think Newcastle are a good side. And Burnley have the problem scoring goals. So I can see Burnley not winning. Uh, I can see them getting a draw, uh, but but that probably not being enough. So Leeds, purely because of the intimidatory element of the fans, and there'll be a pitch invasion afterwards if they do win, lose or draw. Um, but, but that sheer passion to, to see Leeds through. But I've changed my mind three times in the last three weeks. So I might change my mind before the weekend. Okay, well, you can always change your mind after the match, I guess. <laughs> uh, Goglin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with Bob on the on right now. You know, with Brentford, nothing to play for, and Leeds with everything to play for, and Newcastle on the form that they are playing at, Burnley is going to find it hard there. So I think just very, the the margins are so very thin right now, but on a very very thin margin, I think Leeds will nick it and stay in the Premiership. Is Bamford back? Bamford's, Bamford's available, isn't he, for Leeds? I think so, yeah. I yeah think Bamford so. and Phillips are back. You know, he's been out of circulation for a while. It's, uh, it's a tall ask to get the guy. To uh, get... Yeah, I don't think he'll start, but he'll, he'll feature in some way or another. Yeah. 
Okay, well, uh, that is one of the aspects of this end of the season is that that relegation fight, which is very thrilling. And then we'll go to the other end, which uh, in a moment with the championship playoffs here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. Deserves a goal, that lovely return pass just wide. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It's On The Ball, and we are looking now at the championship playoffs. This is considered now the the final match at Wembley is is what the the most ex, the richest uh, match in the world and it's uh, it's going to be between Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest uh Nottingham Forest well okay we've done that that's the end of the championship uh guys let's move on uh <laughs> no bob um your team Nottingham Forest try not to say we too much um they managed to kind of scrape through it, at the end of extra, uh, full time, it was uh, they were one goal down, and it went to penalties. Uh, lucky, yes, lucky. Um, all my friends who uh, were at the game said they were lucky, um, but they were unlucky in the first leg, so that evens itself out. But the huge advantage of playing the second leg at home is there to be seen when it goes to penalties, um, and the forest keeper Brees Samba. Uh, played the game of his life, even before the penalties. He made two world-class saves to to keep Forrest in it. And then um, he uh, performed heroics in the shootout. And, uh, well, they're at Wembley for the first time in 30 years. And they've got a chance of getting back into the Premier League for the first time in 23 years. Now, they didn't play very well against Sheffield United, not in the home leg. They did in the first half, especially in uh, Sheffield, the first leg. Uh, so they, they do still have it in them, but they've got tired legs and all that. But they do have, or in the middle of now, a 10-day period to recover. Uh, it's strange the way they arrange these um, playoffs. They, they cram the... Uh, the semi-finals in very short space of time, and then you get a long lead up to the final. But this is going to be needed, I think, by by Forrest certainly. Um, the the big plus was that Keenan Davis, who's on loan from Villa, who's been a revelation since he arrived in January, he's finally come back to fitness. He came on as a sub in both legs and now with another 10 days to get him fit he could start the final he's a key man and the rest of the uh, walking wounded they should just about be fit but Huddersfield are no mugs and they beat Forest in the league at the city ground although we we there's my first we beat <laughs> I'm counting uh, we beat uh, Huddersfield in the FA Cup so it's sort of even Stephen there. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, they've been playing well all season. But uh, when it comes to these playoffs, uh, a lot of form goes out of the window. Nerves take over. Um, there's a lot at stake on this. I mean, an incredible amount, nearly £200 million. Because you're talking about the broadcasting revenue for one season. Now, the bottom club in the Premier League, like Norwich, they they would have earned, if that's the right word, over £100 million from broadcasting. And 
even though they've been relegated, they will still get £40 million next year and £40 million the following year in parachute payments. So that, that is why it's a near £200 million game. And that, you're saying that almost salivating, weren't you? It's like, oh, you know, parachute payments. Uh, so, so therefore... Uh, Nottingham Forest will get through, and then in two years' time, Champions League final, and uh, and they'll come back again the next year and win the Champions League again. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Well, we we did that before, you know. Uh, We do have history. (laughs) Yes, we won the league. There's another we there. There's a couple of we there. All right. What's my limit, Gogs? Yeah, and also also now you're going to do a blow-by-blow trip down memory lane, as we remember. No, I I won't take up any more of the listeners' time. We will do a separate podcast one day. It'll be three hours long. <laughs> um, Des, Huddersfield won Luton nil. Luton, I mean, in terms of finances, Luton have one of the smallest, I think the third smallest budget in the championship, did incredibly well this season and should be very proud of what they did. I hope they are. Um in the championship, it is still possible for a team, I think, possibly to to kind of get in there. Yeah, it is. I mean, everyone talks about Luton, but Huddersfield themselves have utterly rebuilt since their uh, Premier League days of five years ago, six years ago. I'm not sure when it was. Less, I think. Yeah. Okay, but they they had the parachute payments, but they didn't benefit from them. At one stage, they were uh, towards the bottom as well, but they've had a, a terrific run there, unbeaten in nine at the end of the year. Seven in the league and these two playoffs. They've got in Jordan Rhodes, a, a, a fabulous striker at that level. It's, he's one of those who maybe can't quite make that shift up to the very, very top level. But he's a kind of a Timo Puki um, uh, who plays for Norwich. Terrific at the, at the lower level, not quite good there. And he scored a, a really good winner. Uh, against Luton in what was a very tense game. But Huddersfield, look out for them. And um, again, a little bit of family recognition. My old man used to be um, a, a scout at Huddersfield. Mm. So I always look out for the Huddersfield um, result. And if they get back in for, for Huddersfield down, it'll be a, another fabulous achievement. They were, they were champions of England once, don't forget. They were one of the big, big, big names. Three times in a row. Yeah, be- even before Bob's time. That's how... What, what yeah. are we talking about? 1910s? No, no, no. 20s, 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 20s. They're a team, they're a club with tradition and uh, they will grace this and, and they'll grace this um, competition in form and with uh, an unheralded coach who has um, really guided them very skillfully through that uh, very difficult championship. This is, um, I would argue that they are favourites going into this match against Forest. Hey, uh, Goglin, you witnessed as a, an Aston Villa fan, don't say we after this, um, the the progression of a, a club from Championship to Premier League, whoever wins, be it Huddersfield or Forest, what what, what kind of thing do they need to look at over, over this summer to to make sure that they have in order to be able to then um, survive and 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 just not shame themselves. Well, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be on this show. I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, you, you really need to have the, the mindset, the mentality change is the biggest thing, I think. You know, when you come out of the championship and playing in the premiership teams and you play against the likes of, you know, cities, the Chelsea's, and then you have the Everton's and the Liverpool, I mean, the sorry, the Newcastle's and all that. So it's a completely different mindset of play. Mindset. So I think the majority of the players, I, I first of all, I'm not even sure the manager's going to still going to be there after a few mm. games. Or even some of the players, you know, who brought them up there. So that's the thing. I think uh, I think Villa are going to call Keenan Keenan Davis back 
next season from his loan uh, tenure. So it, there, there needs to be a significant uh, spend, yes, but or the right kind of spend on the right kind of players to bring up. So he, I'm sure by now he has earmarked after the uh, championship for final next weekend, right? Um, you will have to start preparing for the premiership. So you really need to, first of all, a mentality, mindset change, and then start earmarking certain type of players that you need for the premiership. The premiership fight, is a, it's going to be a fight to stay in the premiership. And, you know, I think Brentford did it well, some teams do it. Some teams immediately fall out, like the Norwich and the Fulhams. You've got to win the, fi- the final first. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That little chestnut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bob, behave yourself. No, <laughs> no pitch invasion. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, next time this is going to have to be behind I'm, closed I'm doors. If you away. do, don't wear yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's look at the uh, the Europa League final. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt is now the uh, the most popular team in half of Glasgow because they beat Glasgow Rangers uh, on penalties. Des, uh penalties again, again. Um, Aaron Ramsey missed his. Had it saved. I always hate it when people say he, he missed it. He had it saved. He went down the middle. It wasn't the, uh, wasn't the most convincing penalty. But in the 118th minute, Ryan Kent was in front of goal, under pressure, and Kevin Trapp made a, 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 a really, not a fabulous save, but such an important save. Otherwise, Rangers would be going home with their first European victory in, in 50 years. Uh, Frankfurt were probably the better team. Um, but it was close. Rangers held the lead for 10 minutes and then gave away a, a sloppy equaliser. Uh, extra time couldn't produce anything. A couple of long-range efforts and that effort from Ryan Kent. And then you come to penalties. Interestingly, there's um, uh, the, the, the science of the penalty shootout is growing and growing and growing. I'm not sure um, how much science Rangers put into it. They didn't look as composed. One thing I can say, though, having missed the penalty for Glasgow Rangers... You can always guarantee that Aaron, sorry, having had a penalty save for Glasgow Rangers, you can always guarantee Aaron Ramsey will score the winning penalty when Wales beat Scotland in the playoffs for the World Cup final. <laughs> That's almost guaranteed to happen. But tough, tough on Rangers. Well done, Antwerp Frankfurt. Their welcome home has been incredible. Don't know whether you've seen the scenes uh, of, of the welcome they've had. Um, but a decent game. And great to see two of the supposedly lesser light, but big names in European football, having their moments in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, Bob, it's only the Europa League. It's not the Champions League, which is what, you know, Forest have got their sights on. But uh, still, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a European competition. Hey, let's, we must jump on to, we're going to look at the, the top of the um, Premier League. We, we still have a battle for the top. Um, uh, now, uh, Bob, you pointed out it's that we'd forgotten that uh, Liverpool played Southampton and won. And they are now going to be facing, in the final match, they're going to be facing Wolves. Th- there's still an outside chance that they could win the league. Can, can, can they keep this winning performance going? Well, um, there are stats for everything these days. And I looked up the probability, the win probability, Um, for what it's worth. And it's 86 point something percent that Man City will win the title, Uh, 14 something for Liverpool. So that's, they take everything into consideration and AI work it all out. Now, um, it, it it looks tough. It is tough. 
but it's not impossible. I mean, all they're really asking for is for Aston Villa, managed by Steven Gerrard, to hold City to a draw. They don't have to win, assuming Liverpool win at home to Wolves. Now, you can't assume anything in this world, but you'd have to say there's a pretty good chance of that happening. Um, Klopp made nine changes in uh, midweek. That's the most he's ever made. But such is his confidence in uh, the squad and the depth that the people he had to choose from. And he wanted to make sure that the key men who who took knocks in the FA Cup final um, were going to be ready for not only this game, but for Real Madrid a week later. So he got away with it, if you like. They got the three points fairly comfortably in the end uh, to give themselves this 15 or so percent chance. Now, Aston Villa didn't look great uh, last night, um, but Gogs, I mean, they, they are capable of getting a draw at City. And I think nerves are the thing. If, if Villa could get an early goal, I think City nerves would jangle. Certainly the fans. I mean, the QPR game, the famous Aguero moment game, go back to that. I mean, people were biting their fingernails down to their knuckles in that crowd. And it was only that amazing finale that got City out of the biggest cock-up of all time. Yeah, I know. Now, this would exceed that. If they, if City don't win, if somehow they contrive not to win this title, this this would surpass anything that the old city have ever done in terms of cock-ups. And, but you can see, you can see it happening. Well, let, let's, ask, let's ask that question then. So, Goglin, uh, it's going to be Manchester City versus Aston Villa for the final match there. And, well, will, would Steven Gerrard be able to do something for his old club? But also, I did read somewhere, and I only read it one place, that um, Villa would be up for a £15 million payoff if... Uh, Manchester City win because of the the Grealish sale. Yeah, apparently there's an add-on clause to it that Mika Rich has brought up. I'm not really sure whether that's really true or not because you know some people are saying not. Yeah, by hundred million and then you have a fifteen million. <laughs> Liverpool, if they beat Wolves, they owe they owe for Jota as well. Same. Yeah, mm. I know that, that that it's it's a it's a common clause, but I don't think for Grealish after paying hundred million, there's still an add-on clause. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the context of it. But never mind. Let's move on from that. Uh, it's regardless of that. We all, we all, they are professionals and all that. And of course, Gerard will want to win it for Liverpool. But what Bob said, the only way we are going to win this game is nerves. That's that's pure and simple. If City, uh, j- the nerves are jangle or that we get an early goal, because as you can see, what Real Madrid did to uh, City, their defense is not exactly the most rock solid there. And if you can, and we have those players, the strikers, and Coutinho and all that. To hurt them, it matters, but we need the ball first, of course. So it's going to be a tough ask, but yes, it's not impossible. Hmm. Yeah, so Des, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Not impossible, not expecting much. A um, couple of things. City's home form, they've scored an average four goals per game in each of their last five home games. So <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Des. <laughs> so they, they have not approached the, the end of this season with any nerves whatsoever. Even the West Ham game, that's a remarkable come from behind from 2-0 down, missing the penalty. So, so I'm not particularly hopeful, but at football, you never know. If Villa could do get the same result as they got against Burnley, um, this man would be very happy. Liverpool have got to beat Wolves. But Cam, I'm surprised at you because you've missed the obvious one. Mm-hmm. You've missed the obvious versions. 
So if Villa beat Man City 6-0 and Liverpool and Wolves drew 5 all, there'll be a playoff for the title. Yeah, serious. Yeah, that's what's been going around. Yeah, it is. So I'm I'm surprised you can miss that one. You 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 you've normally got your your mind wrapped around these things, and that to me seems the obvious conclusion of what's going to happen this weekend. That would be incredible. I that's obviously not going to happen, but that would be amazing. Um, okay, so well, anyway, well, Liverpool have already won the um, the Carling Cup, um, so they're happy. Carabao, Carabao. Car- sorry, Carabao. So they're already happy. So you know, and the FA and FA Cup and the FA Cup. So um, yeah. and the Women's Championship Division Two. So you know, it's all right. They can rest on their laurels already. But uh, <laughs> in a moment, we're going to be wrapping up the rest of the uh, Premier League and also looking at the Sea Games results here on On the Ball BFM eighty nine point nine. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On the Ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back on On the Ball with Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, and Gogolin. And now, Gogolin, we're going to be looking at the, 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 the... There's also still a hunt for the fourth spot going on here. Wait, kind of even the third spot, I guess, maybe. Um, if if Spurs... Uh, oh, my maths is so bad. If Spurs win by about 20 goals and <laughs> Chelsea lose, <laughs> then yeah, that's Spurs... a, You're right. Your maths are right. It is about twenty goals. Twenty, yeah, twenty differential. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I know what the, the thing is that we come down to the final day of the season. The relegation fight is still going on. The title fight is still going on. The fourth place championship, uh, Champions League final spot is still going on. So it's everything to play for, you know. So you know the champ. It's like most of the leagues are all done and dusted. But the Premier League is, you know, this is why the Premier League is, you know, why we sit down week in week out and talk about it, right? It's because it takes us down to the final day, and it's still a loads to play for. I don't remember this much being played for, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, this is the first time that all three, uh, well, should ask Bob and Des, though. There's even sixth place to play for. Yeah. Manchester absolutely. United and West Ham. Yeah. Um, United, if uh, the sixth place will get the Europa League place, whereas seventh will get the conference place. And uh, West Ham are two points behind United, but um, they have an easier tie, I believe. I'm just looking it up. West Ham and Brighton and Palace Brighton. Man United. Oh, yeah. at Brighton. Yeah. And United are playing... Palace. 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 Well, yeah. Are you sure about that? I, I mean... Well, no, it's not, no, not much in it, actually. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say easier. But that's, um, that's how that pans out. Yeah, because my recollection of this season is I thought Manchester United had been relegated already. <laughs> I, I thought that's how it had panned out. Hey, uh, Des, Chelsea are going to be playing Watford. Okay, so third spot is is certain, but there are things happening with the sale. It hasn't been worked out. The deadline is coming. Theoretically, this could be the end of Chelsea. No, it'll happen. Of course, it'll happen. Um, there's too much money. I, you don't throw billions of pounds away. So um, no, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to swap that one away and actually ignore you, Cam, because I'm amazed that you haven't brought up um, Arsenal. Arsenal's Arsenal's capitulation. We're going to get to that. Okay, no, Chelsea will not. Chelsea will survive, Mr. Abramovich. I'd, I'd be astonished. Lovely man as he is, uh, I'd, I'd be astonished if he if he lets Chelsea go to the wall after all that he uh, or his money has achieved or somebody's money. Uh, managed by him as achieved. So no, I think Chelsea, Chelsea top three, and that's the end. That's that. It's not a bad season. Two finals and third place 
when your when your when your club is disintegrating around you, that's not an awful season. Chelsea teams of the past would have um, bitten your hand off for that. They'll they'll look at it as as failure. But two finals um, and and uh, a top three place is is no disgrace whatsoever. And and they're the best of the London clubs for all the money at Tottenham and Arsenal. They're the best of the London clubs. Yeah, I think on here, two of us. I know I did, um, but possibly you, Des. Uh, thought that Chelsea would win the league for the first couple of months of the yes, season. Yes, I, rem- yeah. I remember that show. <laughs> I, I, was, I was saying that for sure. Yeah. I thought they were spectacular. They were very good. They were very good, yes, indeed. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. You, should, you shouldn't remind us of things like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a compilation at the end of the season. Technically, they're still European champions. Well, for another week or so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, then let's look at uh, Gogolin. Norwich are going to be playing Tottenham. I mean... I don't know. Tottenham, at moments this this season, have been become this new solid Conte team, and then suddenly they go and Spurs it. But are are we witnessing a, a new Spurs? And do you think? Well, I, they've got to thrash Norwich, and then they will get the. Someone help me out with my maths here. They would then. They get fought. They get fought. They get fought. Champions League. And there's nothing that Arsenal would be able to do about it then. It's all in Spurs' hands. So, again, it's all in Spurs' hands. They're playing Norwich. They couldn't have asked for an easier tie. Arsenal has literally shot themselves in the foot with the North London derby and then the Newcastle game. So, yes, for all their work... But if you ask any Arsenal fan from the beginning of season to come up and get fifth, they 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 also bite your hand off for the season they've had. So, yes, it's, a it's again, a process. They've been out of Europe now for, what, six years, I think, if not mistaken. So, yes, it's a pity. But this Arsenal side or this... Going into the Champions League, it's, it's still going to be a, you know, they probably won't even make it out of the group, right? Yes, there's money to be spent and all that. And yes, you can attract players because you're in the Champions League, but they won't do much. And, you know, you need a manager like Conte and Spurs to do something in the Champions League. I personally think that Spurs will do more in the Champions League than Arsenal. But it was in Arsenal's hands and they blew it up. So it's now totally in Spurs' hands. They're, they're against Norwich and it'll be the ultimate Spursy thing to do to lose to Norwich and give it to us. <laughs> it would. Bob, wouldn't it be, I mean, wouldn't it just be the best end of the season? Peak Spurs. They lose to Norwich, I don't know, let's say 3-0. Peak, well, peak, peak yeah. Spursy. But yeah. I think they've transferred their Spursiness to Arsenal. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what's happened. You know, they've, they've just taken it over in a truck the, the, the grounds are only about four miles apart. You know, they just went across northern London, delivered this spursiness. And there was Arteta, just uh, not very gratefully accepting it. But they've, they've blown it, Arsenal. They were nailed on to get this fourth place, weren't they, uh, three or four weeks ago. And they've allowed Spurs to creep up. But I will say that the postponement of the North London derby, the decisive game, which Spurs won, of course, um, that should have taken place about three weeks ago when Arsenal were in form and Spurs were having a Spursy spell. And Arsenal complained at the time about that. And it's proved decisive. Had that fixture taken place then, I think uh, Arsenal were were strong favourites to win at that point. And Spurs have rallied since then. And they were the form team when the game did eventually take place. But that's football. That's football and that's life. Yeah. So, Des, you wanted to say something about Arsenal. Uh, Their capitulation is is incredible. I I like the fact they stuck with Arteta. 
I love the fact that um, they let Aubameyang go and they were giving Enketier and uh, Emil Smith-Rowe opportunities, Nodegaard a, a central place. I thought they'd done enough and then they had that capitulation against uh, Tottenham in the 3-0. And then to compound it with a, an equally insipid um, performance against Newcastle, where it seemed they, they, they just didn't want to play. Granit Xhaka made some uh, well-publicised comments about Arsenal's unwillingness to, to try and go and win the game or being scared of winning the game. Well, Zaka shouldn't be speaking because he was completely anonymous in that game too. Yeah, but Zaka, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Zaka fan as well. So me and Arsenal don't go well. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm we the wrong me. kind of a person for, for Arsenal. But they have thrown this away. They got themselves into a position. Now, now they've thrown it away. But this is Tottenham and Norwich getting a point against Tottenham is not beyond the realms of possibility because Arsenal always, always seem, seem to somehow uh, get one over Spurs. So, so we'll see. Um, it could be a big change. Could be a big change. Arsenal versus Everton is, is a big one. Everton, nothing to play for. Arsenal have got to win and then they've got to hope that Norwich do something against Tottenham. We've we got, we got a league here of three, four leagues, haven't we? We've got the, there's this top two and then there's, uh, what, three, four? Below that, there's a, then a, kind of like a, a middle section, which is a bit like, you know, your, your, your kind of middle-aged spread belly. And then, and then a few at the bottom, which are rubbish. Now, Arsenal are the fifth. They, they're the fifth richest club. They have the fifth uh, highest wage bill. They are in fifth. So uh, isn't that just how it works? The more money you got, you just slot yourself into that, that spot. Well, not uh, yes and no. Um, but what about Brentford? I mean, uh, they're 11th, and I'm sure they're not even in the top 20 when it comes to wage bills. Um, they, I mean, they're essentially on a championship uh, wage bill, uh, whereas even Norwich and Watford, uh, they yo-yo so often. They get these parachute payments. They can they can afford to pay uh, bigger wages than uh, Brentford. So that Brentford are the, are the outlier in this. I mean, they have bucked the trend. Um, for, for one season. For one season, yeah. This will, yeah, so next season, second season syndrome and all that. Yeah. It will be very tough. I, I'm sure that Brentford will be among the favourites right now for relegation next season. Sad to say, I sincerely hope they stay up again just to defy all this. Uh, because they, they've been a fantastic addition to the club, uh, to the Premier League and to football in general. Yeah. With the way they play, uh, the, the personality of the team, the way they've done it, uh, bringing Ericsson back and all that. They deserve tremendous credit for what they've done. Sorry, just on yep. the Brentford thing, I think it's a really great story that once Brentford's done for the Premiership mm. this season, you know, we always talk about teams that come from the Championship and what they've done, and, you know, they haven't put a foot wrong in terms of their PR, from a PR point of view, and what they've done, like Bob said with Ericsson was, you know, uh, his masterstroke, and he's actually paid, repaid them in, I think, double that on the pitch. And the way they've played, I think, has been... Um... Yeah, they haven't done a Burnley, is what, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Des used to say, <laughs> you know, they've played some expansive football, you know. Yeah. And they haven't been hurt for it. Yeah. Hey, Des, you're a, you're a big fan of all the money that's swilling around the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> big fan. Big fan. So, you know, some clubs win and they get more money and it becomes self-perpetuating. And that's just the way it is, isn't it? Or would you would you like to see some kind of spreading the cash around a bit more? Of course I'd like to see some spreading of the cash around a bit. How? How? What mechanism would that 
best clubs always will be at the top. But Brentford's a, a fabulous example because you follow the, their business model is to create players and sell them on, create players, sell them on. It's a community club. The actual stadium is called the Community Stadium. It's in, it's in um, a part of London which is very fashionable, but they're the unfashionable team. And they've come up literally from, I remember watching them with Cardiff in the old Division 4, uh, Card- Cardiff versus Brentford. I went down a, a few times uh, and they've come up change the club, change the way they, they offer. Uh, they, they've got a money ball mentality in how they, they bought, bought players and it's got them into the top flight and a top 10 place. And I'd love to see more teams like that uh, with that um, fresh business style rather than, rather than a country pumping a billion dollars into a club uh, as is going to happen at Newcastle or as has happened at Manchester City. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that success story and some kind of evening out of the, of the playing. I'm I'm an old school socialist in that kind of way in in terms of football. It ain't going to happen, but we can hope. We can hope. Well, the um, if if I may just interject here, the um, long-awaited report into how we can fix football, government uh, instigated report, with a, a Tory minister in charge of it, recommended taxation, yeah. taxing the bigger clubs and giving it to the EFL clubs. Um, and it didn't go down very well, as you can imagine, with the Premier League up in arms about it. But that was after after consulting with every man and his dog and all the fans in every club in the country. That was the conclusion that just tax them and then distribute it fairly. And uh, they don't want to do it. The clubs don't want to do it. Of the course clubs they don't. don't want to do it. And the government, the conservative government, you know, they're not um, very keen on taxing people. So they're humming and hawing about it. But that was the recommendation, overwhelmingly, taxation to even this out. Mm. Well, um, something's not going to give. <laughs> it's never going to change. At, at grassroots footy is still owned, uh, uh, owned owed uh, over a billion dollars by the Premier League on a promise made in the ni- late 90s. Really? Yes. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. All right. Well, on that bombshell, uh, we'll move on. And in a moment, we're going to just wrap up the final bits and pieces of the Premier League and we'll move on to the Sea Games here on On the Ball, BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine header, fine goal. On the Ball on BFM 89.9. It's part four of On the Ball. And we come now and we look at something very strange. I suddenly realized as we were going through this that talking about the Premier League, and I haven't mentioned Manchester United once. No, briefly, in jest. This is kind of crazy. That The world's biggest club, so they say, I don't know if it still can call itself that, with the large, largest fan base, certainly in this country, is now floundering in, I've got to look them up, sixth place, well off the pace for um, fourth spot. Bob, Manchester United... It's the end of this season. We're going to be looking at a new season and by which point all the players will have beaten each other up and the, the survivors, you know, will, will, will live on for next season. Uh, are they going to, I mean, is Manchester United ever going to become Manchester United again? <laughs> yes, um, eventually. Uh, I think it will take some time as it took Liverpool time. Um, but they've made a start. Uh, they've got a new manager. And he's not a, a flashy, um, you know, A-list name. 
Some people have never heard of him, but he's successful. He's been successful. He plays the game the right way. And uh, they've taken a punt on uh, Eric Ten Hag. Um, big, big job. He's got massive, massive uh, problems there. But uh, at least there's a touch of realism uh, permeating the dressing room. The players decided not to have their annual awards ceremony because they were too embarrassed to turn up. That's official. I mean, they, they, they put that out. They said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not having it. They're not having it. Um, I mean, they've had infighting. Literally, there was a punch up between Maguire and Lingard on the training pitch. Um, and there's been a, a, a terrible atmosphere in the dressing room for most of the season, despite securing Ronaldo's signature. Um, but it hasn't, uh, despite him delivering, he's done his bit. But um, it hasn't worked out overall. But I think I don't think they can really get any worse, put it like that. I think it'll take some time. I think they've got to give the new man time. They'll give him some money. Um, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that will go out and sign 100 million pound players. I think he'll be picking up one or two guys from Ajax that he knows for possibly bargains. I think that's maybe the right approach. But it'll... They'll have a job on to get into the top four next season. Um, they've failed by some distance this season. So it will take some time before you're going to see Manchester United um, back to what you what you call Manchester United. Yeah. Well, they're going to be playing Crystal Palace. Uh, Goglan, I mean, I think we've all been fans of Crystal Palace. Everyone's a fan of Crystal Palace this season. Uh, despite the fact that... Dis- I, I thought that they're in 13th. I thought they were way higher than that. But uh, I guess that they uh, let in far too many goals. But the difference appears to be a manager. Um, I mean, Vieira is is a polar opposite to uh, Hodgson, but he seems to have been transformational. So perhaps a new manager at Manchester United can just miraculously change everything. I think we should we should give a big shout out to Vieira for what he's done at Palace. You know, we, I think here I think most of us here thought he was going to fail when he walked into the Palace job, and what he's done there, he's done he's been a stabilizing figure. He's brought in players. He's nurtured the what's his name, the Chelsea player. Conor Gallagher. Yeah, you know, he's become one of the standout players of the season. So they've been playing under the radar. You know, unlike um, a Lampard, who's you know gets the job and manages to just save it by the skin of his I'm really not sure whether Lampard's going to be staying at Everton, but I think that's another sh- for another show. So, yes, I think we, we should give a big props to Vieira for what he's done this season. And back to United. There's only one way they can look at it now, you know, a transformational uh, season. It's been a horrendous season this season. They're nothing to look forward to except than uh, Ronaldo's uh, goals, which literally kept them away from the relegation of fight. You just minus those goals and you see where United would be, actually, you know. De Gea and Ronaldo literally saved United skin this season from even worse showing. So they, uh, I think they really need to sort out their backroom uh, shenanigans and the staffing. And with Ten Hag, I think there's a plan. There should be a plan. Uh, we are not privy to it. So I think most United fans are not privy to it. If there is a five-year plan, see, like with what FSG did with the United uh, Liverpool thing and all that, there was a plan. There was a there was a process. There was a plan set in place and all that. They, they knew who they wanted, and they put that and they backed him. So if they can do the same, it will be a it will take some time. It's all cyclical, so it will take some time. But you know, Liverpool were in the same position uh, 
you know, I think Desi knows this for a fact, for, from experience. They will come back. It will take time, time though. So, you, you know. Yeah, it took 30 years for Liverpool. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I think... Champions League and a triple in, in between, by the way. It's, uh, it's, oh, it's we've done this treble before. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an old show again. <laughs> can, we, can we just drop the... the can I just remind everyone Man United had a plan at the end of last year? This time last year, we were previewing their Europa League final with Villarreal and they were coming second in the league and we were thinking they could make the next step on. And we were saying, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's the plan. United have stuck with him. Well, that went well, sacking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, didn't it? Uh, Ronaldo was bought against his wishes. I said this at the time, and I was vilified for it on this very show. Well, I said Ronaldo will be a disruptive element because he's not part of Solskjaer's plan. You throw plans out of the window and you're, you, you get yourselves in trouble. That's what happened to Man United. They've still got fabulous players. No, but th- 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 that's what happens when you follow a commercial philosophy instead of a football philosophy. Yeah. There's Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward has a lot to answer for. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I'm, I'm going to quickly invent a, um, uh, an award show because, uh, you know, Manchester United may have um, cancelled theirs, but I think we've had a good season, so we can we deserve to, to continue with ours. <laughs> oh, entertainers of the year, Man United. Entertainers of the yeah. year. <laughs> I, I want to give, I want the three of us just to, to nominate one, one team that, that is the kind of the, the big achiever of the year. And I don't mean like the, the Man City, Liverpool type thing, but the, the slightly below, the Crystal Palace, West Ham, I think, have had a really good season. You could even make an argument that Brighton have done, done very well. Which of the, the, the teams kind of out of the limelight have actually had a really great season? I'm, I'm going to say Crystal Palace. That's my nomination. I'll go for Brentford. Well, yep, see, I'll go for Brentford too. And Des? Or a, a Brighton. I mean, West Ham deserve an awful lot of credit for getting so far and still being in a chance of Europa League. But I'd say Brighton have really, really um, upset a lot of people in the brightness of the way they played and the way they've gone to places like Anfield and uh, the Etihad and taken points from the big clubs. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so we'll be sending that award to, I think Brentford seems to have got the, the most nominations. So. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll receive something. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> 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 so uh, we move on. Des, the Sea Games semi-final. It's uh, it's a big deal in Malaysia. It's the Sea Games. How's it been going? Devastating. Malaysia lost one nil to Vietnam, the hosts, after extra time in a, a, a match where I'm so frustrated because Malaysia defended really organised. The game plan wasn't to go and attack. It was to let Vietnam come at them and try and hit them on the break. Defended really well. Um, had the better chances, had a really good chance going into the 85th minute. And it would have been a huge scalp for the youngest team in the tournament. Malaysia's average age is just 21. It's an under-23 tournament with three overage players allowed. But Malaysia had a very, very young squad in. They, were, they, they lost a couple of players to injury. And then in extra time, fatigue just took over. And passes went astray. Simple pass. I was screaming at, at the uh, at the box. I, I wasn't in Hanoi. I was screaming that because Malaysia gave opportunities to Vietnam, and eventually Vietnam scored a header in the 111th minute through Ten Lien, uh, who's who's one of their overage players. So really brave, but very frustrating because this was an opportunity. This was a decent Malaysia team. They threw away um, points against Cambodia, where they drew two all against Singapore, where they drew to all. That was the chance to avoid Vietnam in the semifinals. They didn't. They played Vietnam. They took Vietnam on. But in the end, they, 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 they lost in extra time. It was 
very proud of the players, but ultimately really frustrating because you could see it happening in real time. So, so kudos to the boys. They've got a bigger competition coming up, the AFC Under-23 Championships in June, which is the real focus of this year. So hopefully this semi-final, numbing semi-final loss will hold them in good stead. So pride, but immense frustration on, on this correspondence behalf. Yeah, Gogolan, I, I feel like I'm going to ask you a question which I think people of nations have been asking themselves for like forever is, are there signs of hope? Is this a, 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 a new dawn? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a new dawn of hope and anything like that, but it's great that they're playing the younger squad there. So that, that is the hope we have, right? You're not just going for the quick fix. You're looking at a plan and, you know, getting all these young players some some exposure in that stage where, you know, even though it was a defeat, it's still exposure at that level. So this is only hold them in good stead moving on forward in future tournaments. And if they can keep the squad together and, you know, start just tweaking it a bit here and there, you know, first be, you know, start becoming champions in Southeast Asia and then start looking at Asia. The, the, the one thing, if, if I may, a lot of the first team, a lot of the starting 11 are playing Super League football. They're playing regularly week in, week out. I can't overestimate. It seems such an obvious thing to say. But in the past, Malaysia uh, under-23 teams, their players have not been playing regular football. So that makes such a difference. Kids have got to play competitive football. Absolutely. There is no doubt about it. That makes you better players. And so hopefully it will stand them in good stead. But well done to Brad and team. That seems, yeah, that seems like a really obvious... yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Saying it for twenty years, Singapore and Malaysia, but they don't. We've only got sixteen professional teams in Malaysia. Sixteen. It's crazy. Population of thirty million. Yeah. 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 Crazy. But it could easily have. Sorry, could easily have th- four more leagues. No trouble. Absolutely. The sixteen pro teams in Merseyside. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow. Population of four hundred thousand. No, Greater Merseyside seven hundred thousand. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. There is only one more Friday on the ball. Um, and uh, the the championship playoff will not have happened by that point. But, uh, Bob, you're going to be okay? Do you want us to come, come <laughs> well, around? Anything? You can come around anytime. I think Bob should be on the Monday show after that. Maybe we should, actually, yeah. The Champions League final won't, won't have been played either, will it? Oh, who cares no. about the Champions League final, <laughs> Bob? <laughs> what Champions League final? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so, Des, um, yeah, you've got the Champions League. You're, you're okay? You're okay? Yeah, uh, whatever happens this year, Liverpool have been an astonishing achievement. Uh, two trophies is fabulous. Three would be fantastic. Four would be un- un- unbelievable. Um, Malaysia did well in the sea game. So, yeah, you've got a, a happy footballing chap here. And Everton stayed up. I'm pleased about that as well. How many Champions League finals is this for, Everton, uh, for Liverpool now? So, one, one six and uh, two defeats. Wow, that's so many. It's only Real Madrid has more appearances, or, or Bayern Munich as well. Uh, a few have got Real Madrid. AC Milan won. as well. AC oh, Milan, yeah. Yeah. Only, uh, and Juventus, only Milan, yeah. Only Milan have won more, besides Real Madrid, of course, than hmm. uh, Liverpool. So, yeah. if Liverpool win this, they, they equal uh, Milan as the second most... Uh, trophies at the moment they're equal with Bayern Munich well and so uh, Goglin Aston Villa of course won the the European Cup uh, themselves many years ago and I think if you look at the trophy cabinet Villa's cabinet is actually still one of the 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 fullest historically in (laughs) the country yes yes one of the oldest I mean the founders of the Premier uh, English uh, division football league right 
So one day Villa will be Villa again. One day. <laughs> one day. Uh, Just everything like... goes around, comes around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the football. Uh, great. And uh, Des Corkill. And don't forget, there's a little match of Indonesia-Malaysia as the bronze medal match in the SEA Games to look out for this weekend or early next week. So look out for that. And um, Goglin, as you watch your team, Aston Villa, change the dynamics at the very top of the table. A lot of Liverpool fans, beautiful Villa fans for the night. Yeah, so man, yes, we'll yeah, see what we yeah. can do. Okay. Well, thank you. And myself, Cam Rasland, please join us on the Monday show. But for now, it is On The Ball, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.